Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God of compassion, whose Son, Jesus Christ, the child of Mary, shared the life of a home in Nazareth, and on the cross drew the whole human family to himself. Strengthen us in our daily living, that in joy and in sorrow we may know the power of your presence to bind together and to heal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the first book of Samuel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 20. Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. Her husband Elkanah and his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. She brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And she left him there for the Lord. The Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 33. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Mothering Sunday, and it's one of the trickiest days of the year for preachers. To judge by the adverts and the cards, we might think family life is all hearts and flowers, happy people gathered together around the dinner table, full of smiles and sweet harmony. But if we're honest, we all know that this day comes shot through with all sorts of other emotions too. 
In any fair-sized group of people, there will be those who long to be parents but can't be, those whose children have died, those whose mothers have died, those whose families were neglectful or abusive, those who've never really had a family at all, those who don't want children and feel judged for that. Perhaps an alternative definition of a family might be a place where things go wrong, because I've never met one where they didn't. Grief, loss, guilt, shame, betrayal, families are often the places where we encounter our deepest sorrows as well as our deepest joys. That's why I'm glad that the Bible readings set for today don't airbrush those realities. To be honest, it's hard to find a stereotypically happy family in Scripture anyway. Cain kills his brother Abel. Abraham twice gives his wife away to other men and then tries to sacrifice his son. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. And that's just in the first book of the Bible. It's like EastEnders on steroids. The Bible very rarely portrays family life as uncomplicated or easy. The readings we've heard today underline that. In the first, we meet Hannah, who, we're told, conceived and bore a son. Now, if you didn't know the background, you might think, well, so what? Women are having children all the time. But in Hannah's case, this was nothing short of a miracle. Her husband had two wives, quite a common and unremarkable thing in the Bible. The other wife, Penina, had children, but Hannah hadn't been able to have any. And Penina and her offspring took great pleasure in reminding her of it. Hannah was desperate for a child. And when her story starts in the passage before the one we heard, she's praying at the shrine of God in Bethel which was at that time the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, the symbol of the presence of God at the heart of the nation. Hannah's prayers are so intense that the old priest, Eli, who's in charge of the shrine, thinks she's drunk and tells her to stop making a spectacle of herself. She explains what the problem really is, and Eli is moved by her plight. He assures her that God has heard her prayers and that she will have the son she longs for. That's where today's reading picks up the tale, and where it takes a surprising turn. Because instead of keeping the child who she eventually gives birth to, as soon as he's weaned, probably around three or four years of age, she brings him to Eli to grow up in his care. She'd promised to do this when he told her she'd get pregnant, and she keeps her promise. It seems a strange thing to do, though, to us. It might look rather heartless to give away the child she's waited so long for. Why does she do it? It's quite possible, of course, that Samuel will have a better life with Eli than in her feuding family. But that's not the reason the Bible suggests. It's simply that Hannah knows, even if only vaguely, that her child, given so miraculously by God, matters not only to her, but to the whole nation. And she's right. Samuel will grow up to be one of the most important prophets in the Old Testament. He'll guide Israel through times of turmoil and change. He'll anoint the nation's first two kings and listen to God on their behalf 
supporting and sometimes challenging them. Hannah brings Samuel to Eli at Bethel because this is where he needs to be to fulfil that calling, centred on God, learning to listen for that guiding voice. The child we meet in the Gospel reading will go on to have an even more profound impact on the world around him, but at a huge cost to his mother too. At six weeks old, Jesus is brought to the temple to be presented there, as every new baby was. There he is spotted, not by the temple authorities, but by Simeon and Anna, two elderly fellow worshippers, who acclaim him as the Messiah. This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, says Simeon, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This child has a job to do, in other words, but there will be pain ahead as well as joy. Mary will watch him die on the cross. He won't be there to support her in her old age. But nonetheless, we see her active in the early church, there on the day of Pentecost, bearing witness to what Jesus means to the whole world, not just to her. He's the one who, in her words, puts down the mighty from their seats and exalts the humble and meek. Parenthood often takes guts, but perhaps the greatest challenge is to see beyond the horizon of the family, as Mary, Joseph and Hannah do in these stories. Their hopes are wider than simply having someone they can love and someone who'll love them. They see their children as gifts given to the world, not just to them. We all need people like that in our lives, whether they're our mothers or not. We need people who believe our lives have meaning, who stick with us when we struggle, who support but don't stifle, who let us be ourselves. And today is a day for honouring all those people, whether they're parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, godparents, teachers, friends, neighbours, the people who've shown us that we matter, not for what we can do for them, but for who we are and what we can give to the world. I wonder who those people are for you. They probably weren't and aren't perfect. They may not have been in your life for very long. They may not have done anything very obviously dramatic. But sometimes it only takes a word or a small act of kindness to make the difference that matters. As I said at the beginning, Mothering Sunday can be fraught with emotional heffalump traps. But perhaps it becomes a little easier when we realise that it was never meant just to be a celebration of biological families. It's meant to remind us to look out for all the love around us, whatever shape it takes, to recognise and celebrate mothering wherever we find it. And it calls us in our turn to extend that mothering love to others, reflecting the mothering love of God, who sees in every one of her children the potential to light up the world and longs to set us free to do that. Amen. And so we pray together in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Christ give you grace to grow in holiness, to deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow him. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.